welcome. These past couple of days have been quite challenging for me. Lots of pain and painful emotions arise. I find myself almost in this swamp, this place where there was very little movement, little relief. Now, whether this was the pain body, that's something I'm not quite certain of. In some ways, it could be said as that there's a movement of pain. There didn't seem a choice there to be present or not. I'm sure there was some, some awareness there even the awareness of not being able to be aware <laughs> or the awareness of no space there was just a very dense heaviness and in some ways there was an acceptance of that it wasn't as painful as it was there wasn't there wasn't too much resistance of you know why am I feeling this way there weren't too many negative or unhelpful questions that perhaps perpetuated the pain because no matter the pain you can always you can always add to it The mind is very creative in that way. So I find myself consciously watching a movie. Something I, I struggle to do, to sit down for the length of, of a film. And there was some some relief there. There was didn't of course resolve anything but it, it allowed for some space to open up even the smallest amount where I I always try to watch it in a mindful way the movie not to not to completely lose myself with how how was the feelings that were being arisen because in that sense you would be pushing away the feelings or trying to cover them up or distract yourself so there was an element of using the movie, using that activity to create space where it, it allowed to absorb my awareness but I wasn't completely unaware. pushing away emotions or suppressing this is the this is this act this can add to the pain body this can when feelings don't have almost a path to, to pass through you then they become stuck if they are not almost addressed as they are arisen then this is when energy can be trapped it doesn't have anywhere to go and to allow feelings to pass through you is it's a challenge often unpleasant often the mind is almost begging for relief it's almost constantly trying to pull you into this you know maybe maybe a an oversized double xl pizza would would resolve everything <laughs> that thought came to mind in my past this used to be a pattern of mine when heavy emotions came up then 
I, I would find myself on the pizza website and placing an order for much more food than I would I would need. It seemed like I was almost too far into the pain for me to to pull myself out or to step into to presence though. So there was almost an allowing, some surrender was there. A large part of me wasn't surrendering, but a small part was surrendering, was accepting. This is, this is how it is in this moment. And today these, these feelings have passed by. They're, they're like, you know, use the analogy of <clears throat> clouds in the sky the, the, the rain clouds have, have passed by now it's, in this moment the sky feels clear and in some ways nothing has changed in the in the awareness state you know, I was aware of the heavy and dense feelings and now I'm aware of And you can enjoy the clear skies, but you're not relying on them, you're not. You're not hoping that they remain clear. And even in the dense feelings, there's some perhaps small part of my awareness that realized it's not that I want these this to disappear suddenly, there's just there's just the awareness of the pain passing through. And I could very well, you know, disappear the feelings by eating my way out of them, or, but those feelings remain on a very subtle level inside of you. They, when there's no resolution of those feelings, there's no letting go or passing through, then they remain. and. Perhaps they would rise up again, maybe even stronger the next time. So temporary relief in some behavioural patterns, but it's often a delay, or it could be an adding to. You know, the after eating, in, in regards to my behaviour pattern, there would be the pain of the eating of. The pain of, of what it's doing to my body, the physical pain, and then there'll be a new layer of of pain added to that. So Muji talks about when you are in the in the middle of the storm. to almost not he's trying to think of his words there's almost nothing to be done and it's not in a way where you're just giving up and okay I can't do anything oh, yeah, I may as well give up on everything it's just the observing you're not trying to fix anything or because in the middle of that pain, it's it's almost too painful. You're almost adding to the pain by trying to do something positive. There's, it's it's almost not done with the right energy. There's suffering there. You're suffering to try and get better, and, and the action itself may be very wholesome. You know, it could be to go for a walk. It could be to do something. But if it's more painful, if it adds more suffering to you, then it's a case of listening. Listening to what is needed in that moment.
and it could be very very subtle it's, it may not be a big action it could be a phone call it could be journaling it could be a walk it could be watching a movie but there's some awareness there and you you may surprise yourself I, I certainly did only looking back I could I can sense yes there was some awareness there in a moment it was probably maybe even too subtle for me to register but it was but it was there the awareness of not being able to accept about listening it's feels like our, our job is to listen it could be a, a full-time job to listen and we can go back to deep listening when somebody is talking there is only listening this is something I, I struggle with tremendously for me, while listening, the, a response will come. A response to what they are saying. Something that's I, I I have to say. It's it's almost the urge is too much to to control at times. And slowly, there is more awareness there of that. When somebody is talking, you are listening even if a response comes up just allow that to be there you're not holding on to it trying to you know because the act of of trying to remember or hold on to a phrase or an answer to a previous statement it it means that your attention has been split that part of you is listening and part of you is wondering when you'll be able to say that sentence you wanted to say. I find for me this is a, you can almost see the ego in that, you can feel it there, it's, it's almost a, contra a contraction, it's desperate to say what I want to say, it's, and maybe the statement is not egoic but the urge to interrupt, the urge to, yes I said that, that is, that is egoic. You know, perhaps behind the statement, there may be some good there that, you know, I want to say something to show that I understand you or I, I care. But the interruption of that, you can almost experience it for yourself when you interrupt does that does that in touch with your with with being still with being present or has something come in to interrupt and just almost if you if you are in dialogue with somebody either on the phone or in person you know bring some awareness to this when you do interrupt how does that feel what happens to the energy of the conversation and what happens if you allow when they are talking you are listening something very good comes up to reply oh this may be very helpful for them but only if they would stop talking I, I could I could share it and often what, what you have to say is very important, always important. And then 
it's just looking at the who who is who is speaking now the thoughts that come in who which which energy is behind the thought that I must I must interrupt and it's not the following of rules where you can never interrupt anybody there may course there may be an emergency you know you may be in the street talking a car is coming they are talking and it is done there or or somebody may be talking and you can tell that they are causing themselves a great suffering maybe they're in tears and they're you can see they're going around the same story over and over and and it's it's continually going and you can almost in a very compassionate way interrupt but it's not for something you want to gain from that often when you're interrupting from an egoic stance there's you want to gain something you want to perhaps gain their approval or their praise that you want to gain some cred credit for what you're saying that you what you've said is so clever or so it relates to everything Dave said. It ties it all up in a neat bow. And yes, I, I said that. And none of this needs to be worked out. It's all from that place of center. When something needs to be said, it, it can be said. When there is listening happening, there is just listening. feels like you can never become too good of a listener and talking about listening it can almost be never enough there's always more listening more deep listening can be done and you can only you only have to go into a cafe or or a park or somewhere where there's lots of conversations happening and just observe the conversations and observe and Notice if there's any deep listening happening there. You may not see a lot of it. And often it's not so much uh, teaching people listening. It's It can be taught in an indirect way by the way you are, by the way you listen. And you can almost change the flow of a conversation if you may be with someone where they interrupt you or you may be with someone who with deep listening to their conversations you you almost they mirror you so when you are talking they are listening and you've you've almost lowered the the high energy of the conversation so you're almost leading by the practice and allowing your energy to to move into the conversation and to it may be picked up by them suddenly they may be you know, talking slower there may be more gaps in what they are saying there may be a gap before they respond Recently, that's been my experience there with working on my on my listening, and there's there's no need to be you know hard on yourself when you do interrupt or you know in the middle of the conversation you may begin interrupting and then catch yourself and immediately you know in a blink of an eye you're you're present. There's no there's no reaction to it. There's no I should have I shouldn't be interrupting and sometimes a story can be created out of that. There is a, there is just simply a correction. Interrupting, now listening. 
No space. Space. And there's, there's an enjoyment about the space. There's an enjoyment for holding space for another person as they are talking. It's an active listening. It's not... It's a very alive listening. To be present with somebody is a, it's almost a service. You're, it's almost like almost giving them a safe space to, to talk. We've all been on, on, on the end of certain conversations where we have felt listened to, where we've talked and we've not been interrupted or there's been almost some, some spaciousness for our words to be received. Sometimes with the fear of being interrupted, we may talk faster or louder or more animated to, it's almost, you know, pulling our elbows out to, to make space for ourselves in the conversation and there's other times when it's completely spacious and you you may almost notice that well I've talked a lot here and okay, it's, maybe it's time for me to to listen myself then of course other times when there's been no space and talking or listening. So the practice with yourself, if you're you know on your own, could be listening to silence, listening to the stillness. listening to what is in this moment listening for the next thought that may arise Continue on chapter three of a new earth. And the passage title we have is The Ego is Not Personal. On a collective level, the mindset we are right and they are wrong is particularly deeply entrenched in those parts of the world where conflict between two nations, races, tribes, religions or ideologies is long-standing, extreme and endemic. Both sides of the conflict are equally identified with their own perspective their own story, that is to say, identified with thought. Both are equally incapable of seeing that another perspective, another story may exist and also be valid. Israeli writer Y. Halevi speaks of the possibility of accommodating a competing narrative but in many parts of the world people are not yet able or willing to do that both sides believe themselves to be in possession of the truth both regard themselves as victims and other and the other as evil and because they have conceptualized 
and thereby dehumanize the other as the enemy, they can kill and inflict all kinds of violence on the other, even on children, without feeling their humanity and suffering. They become trapped in an insane spiral of perpetration and retribution, action and reaction. Here it becomes obvious that the human ego in its collective aspect as us against them is even more insane than the me, the individual ego, although the mechanism is the same. By far the greater part of violence that humans have inflicted on each other is not the work of criminals or the mentally deranged, but of normal, respectable citizens in the service of the collective ego. One can go so far as to say that on this planet, normal equals insane. What is it that lies at the root of this insanity? Complete identification with thought and emotion, that is to say, ego. Greed, selfishness, exploitation, cruelty and violence are still all pervasive on this planet. When you don't recognize them as individual and collective manifestations of an underlying dysfunction or mental illness, you fall into the error of personalizing them. You construct a conceptual identity for an individual or group and you say, this is who he is, this is who they are. When you confuse the ego that you perceive in others with their identity, it is the work of your own ego that uses the misperception to strengthen itself through being right and therefore superior and through reacting with condemnation, indignation and often anger against the perceived enemy. All this is enormously satisfying to the ego. It strengthens the sense of separation between yourself and the other, whose otherness has become magnified to such an extent that you can no longer feel your common humanity, nor the rootedness in the one life that you share with each human being your common divinity. The particular egoic patterns that you react to most strongly in others and misperceive as their identity tend to be the same patterns that are also in you but that you are unable or unwilling to detect within yourself. In that sense, you have much to learn from your enemies. What is it in them that you find most upsetting, most disturbing? Their selfishness, their greed, their need for power and control, their insincerity, dishonesty, propensity to violence, or whatever it may be. Anything that you resent and strongly react to in another is also in you. But it is no more than a form of ego and as such it is completely impersonal. It has nothing to do with who that person is, nor has it anything to do with who you are. Only if you mistake it for who you are, can observing it within you be threatening to your sense of self? 
the next passage is titled War is a Mindset In certain cases you may need to protect yourself or someone else from being harmed by another but beware of making it your mission to eradicate evil as you are likely to turn into the very thing you are fighting against. Fighting unconsciousness will draw you into unconsciousness yourself. Unconsciousness, dysfunctional egoic behaviour can never be defeated by attacking it. Even if you defeat your opponent, the unconsciousness will simply have moved into you or the opponent reappears in a new disguise. Whatever you fight, you strengthen, and what you resist, persists. These days, you frequently hear the expression, the war against this or that, and whenever I hear it, I know that it is condemned to failure. There is the war against drugs, the war against crime, the war against terrorism, the war against cancer, the war against poverty, and so on. For example, despite the war against crime and drugs, there has been a dramatic increase in crime and drug-related offences in the past 25 years. The prison population of the United States has gone up from just under 300,000 in 1980 to a staggering 2.1 million in 2004. The war against disease has given us, amongst other things, antibiotics. At first, they were spectacularly successful seemingly enabling us to win the war against infectious diseases. Now, many experts agree that the widespread and indiscriminate use of antibiotics has created a time bomb and that antibiotic restraint, strains of bacteria, so-called superbugs, will in all likelihood bring about a re-emergence of those diseases and possibly epidemics. According to the Journal of the American Medical Association, medical treatment is the third leading cause of death after heart disease and cancer in the United States. Homeopathy and Chinese medicine are two examples of possible alternative approaches to disease that do not treat the illness as an enemy and therefore do not create new diseases. War is a mindset and all action that comes out of such a mindset will either strengthen the enemy, the perceived evil, or if the war is won will create a new enemy a new evil equal to, and often worse, than the one that was defeated. There is a deep interrelatedness between your state of consciousness and external reality. When you are in the grip of a mindset such as a war, your perceptions become extremely selective as well as distorted. In other words, you will see only what you want to see and then misinterpret it. You can imagine what kind of action comes out of such a delusional system. Or instead of imagining it, watch the news on TV tonight. Recognise the ego for what it is, a collective dysfunction, the insanity of the human mind. When you recognise it for what it is, you no longer misperceive it as somebody's identity. Once you see the ego for what it is,
it becomes much easier to remain non-reactive toward it. You don't take it personally anymore. There is no complaining, blaming, accusing or making wrong. Nobody is wrong. It is the ego in someone, that's all. Compassion arises when you recognise that all are suffering from the same sickness of the mind, some more acutely than others. You do not fuel the drama anymore that is part of all egoic relationships. What is it? What is its fuel? Reactivity. The ego thrives on it. And the next passage is titled, Do you want peace or drama? You want peace. There is no one who does not want peace. Yet there is something else in you that wants the drama, wants the conflict. You may not be able to feel it at this moment. You may have to wait for a situation or even just a thought that triggers a reaction in you, someone accusing you of this or that, not acknowledging you, encroaching on your territory, questioning the way you do things, an argument about money. Can you then feel the enormous surge of force moving through you, the fear, perhaps being masked by anger or hostility? Can you hear your own voice becoming harsh or shrill or louder and a few octaves lower? Can you be aware of your mind racing to defend its position, justify, attack, blame? In other words, can you awaken at that moment of unconsciousness? Can you feel that there is something in you that is at war, something that feels threatened and wants to survive at all costs, that needs the drama in order to assert its identity as the victorious character within that theatrical production? Can you feel there is something in you that you would rather be right than at peace? And I'm going to uh, continue reading because it seems like the the next passage um, is strongly linked to what we have just read. It's almost an antidote to it. And it's titled, Beyond Ego, Your True Identity. When the ego is at war, know that it is no more than an illusion that is fighting to survive. That illusion thinks it is you. It is not easy at first to be there as the witnessing presence, especially when the ego is in survival mode or some emotional pattern from the past has become activated. But once you have had a taste of it, you will grow in presence power and the ego will lose its grip on you. And so a power comes into your life that is far greater than the ego, greater than the mind. All that is required to become free of the ego is to be aware of it, since awareness and ego are incompatible. Awareness is the power that is concealed within the present moment. This is why we may also call it presence. The ultimate purpose of human existence, which is to say your purpose, is to bring that power into this world. And this is also why becoming free of the ego 
cannot be made into a goal to be, to be attained at some point in the future. Only presence can free you of the ego, and you can only be present now, not yesterday or tomorrow. Only presence can undo the past in you, and thus transform your state of consciousness. What is spiritual realization? The belief that you are spirit. No, that's a thought. A little closer to the truth than a thought that believes you are who your birth certificate says you are, but still a thought. Spiritual realization is to see clearly that what I perceive, experience, think or feel is ultimately not who I am, that I cannot find myself in all those things that continuously pass away. The Buddha was probably the first human being to see this clearly, and so anatta, no self, became one of the central points of his teaching. And when Jesus said, deny thyself, what he meant was negate and thus undo the illusion of self. If the self, ego, were truly who I am, it would be absurd to deny it. What remains is the light of consciousness in which perceptions, experiences, thoughts and feelings come and go. That is being, that is the deeper, true I. When I know myself as that, whatever happens in my life is no longer of absolute but only of relative importance. I honour it, but it loses its absolute seriousness, its heaviness. The only thing that ultimately matters is this. Can I sense my essential beingness, the I am, in the background of my life at all times? To be more accurate, can I sense the I am that I am at this moment? Can I sense my essential identity as consciousness itself? Or am I losing myself in what happens, losing myself in the mind, in the world? And that's a good place to, to bring the reading to an end for this episode. So much to much to be have said of the of the nature of the ego. We began with the ego is not personal. And it is this trigger that brings up the reaction in us, the personalization of this person with a name affecting your identity, your ego. It says here, you construct a conceptual identity for an individual or group. This is who he is, this is who they are. And the person saying that is your ego, it's, it's created that duality there of me and them. And Eckhart says this is a this is the work of the ego and it uses this misperception to strengthen itself through being right and superior. And he mentions just to recognize this as the ego is not who they are whether it's you know the most 
appalling violence that is being done. It is not who they are. And then war is a mindset we moved on to. And the essence of this was that can't fight against unconsciousness and, he get, and Eckhart gives the examples of almost the egoic mindset of you know going to war against something and how often it perpetuates the, the result it's the opposite of what you wanted there's more criminals in jail there's talking about the health risks as well, the war against disease. And he mentions their homeopathy in Chinese medicine. I'm sure there's many other approaches that work with the body that, that says here that do not treat the illness as an enemy. It says here, recognize the ego for what it is, a collective dysfunction, the insanity of the human mind. And finally, the, the final passage was, beyond the ego, your true identity, is where Eckhart reaffirms what our true identity is, the the I am in this moment, in this very moment. The acknowledgement that you are here, that you are experiencing this moment, you are aware of this present moment. And towards the end, there's the question. Eckhart asks is can I sense my essential identity as consciousness itself or am I losing myself in what happens losing myself in the mind in the world perhaps we can do a short meditation to end what we have and allow what is being read to just sit with us nothing to remember just almost an absorbing of the pointers that have been shared and allowing those to almost take care of themselves just simply resting in your awareness sensing as Eckhart would say the I am in this moment the essence identity of I am. sense your breath as you as you rest in your beingness maybe a sense of the body will arise in the awareness maybe the 
together the body and the breath anchor you in the I am of now. arise in the I amness that you are and they can be seen they can be watched as they pass by drift away and there is only in the here and now not in the past not tomorrow it's all in the now says in the present moment is the undoing of past perhaps you can also extend that to the undoing of conditioning the dissolving of suffering that Awareness and ego or awareness and the mind is incompatible. You are either aware or you are in the mind. episode. I wish you well as always and we will speak again soon. Take care.